0: Welcome to the MHI
1: Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space.
0: We're live from Modex 2020 here in Atlanta, and I'm sitting with David Schwebel, the Senior VP and Head of Intralistics at Grenzenbach Corporation. Uh, David, how's MODEX for you so far? Honestly, it has been probably
1: the best MODEX we've ever attended. We're experiencing an uptick in traffic that honestly the Grenzenbach Corporation was not expecting this year. Um, I'm very proud of what is happening. What MHI has done for us and the opportunity they
0: provide us for MODEX, it's a great experience. Excellent. David, can you tell me a little bit about Grenzenbach and what you focus on in the industry. Of course,
1: Uh, Grenzebach is the company that uh, everyone experiences, but no one really knows. Uh, More than 60 years old, a private company, really focused on valued engineering and design worldwide, Uh, more than 25 plus, excuse me, countries. Uh, And on top of that, the technology that you feel and experience every day, whether it is in your pocket or in your homes, Grinsbach is developing, whether it be for the glass industry, the building materials industry, or more importantly, what I help to help with, the inter-logistics industry. That is the fulfillment e-commerce and retail environments that brings it home
0: every day to your pocket and into your doorstep. And specifically, what we're here to talk about today is these technology trends that we're starting to see in the intra logistics. And of I course. think even more specifically, uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. Just as, as a real broad top view, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, to start really, what is virtual reality and what is augmented reality? So two great
1: buzzwords in our industry right now. And we are at the tip of the spear, so to speak. Um, Virtual reality is all about bringing your presence somewhere else. So think about it as the opportunity to go worldwide while still sitting in your seat. Today, we have technicians, they have the ability to put on a virtual reality headset, and they're able to see the fulfillment technology that happens to be thousands of miles away. Augmented reality, that's a little different. So it's not that you're sitting in your seat and you're thousands of miles away. You're right there in front of the technology. You're right there in front of the picking portals or the equipment that's in front of you. And the idea behind that is to add an overlay. It's almost literally like a second brain. You have the ability to interrogate the information in front of you, the technology that's in front of you, and make quick decisions. But the greatest thing about augmented reality is the ability to have another voice. You can connect it with your back office or teams from other suppliers and other integrators, and they can actually see what you see, suggest changes, and then you can make them live. So it's an amalgamation of both the physical and the digital, what's
0: in front of you and what's behind you. Historically, how has VR been used um, in the inter-logistics industry?
1: Uh, Originally, as a moment of wow. Uh, The idea being that um, the world that I see around me it might be a manual fulfillment arena it's currently just manual but you can put on a helmet and you immediately see the world that could be built in front of you or um, in a training room and i need to be able to train 100 people real quickly because it's now time for black friday and cyber monday and i barely have four weeks to train them so the idea behind the virtual reality is that insane the technology is in front of them, so I don't have to physically put them in my production environment, but I can teach them how to pick, how to maintain, how to manage, how to do prevent and maintenance. So virtual reality was designed as a teaching tool and the ability to give that moment of wow to the C-suite so they can completely understand what they're about to enable in their environments
0: and their supply chains. Now, is that use changing? Or are we seeing it kind of switch gears as to what it's being used for? It's growing. Um, As we're learning more,
1: and we have the ability now to add, um, well, uh, machine learning on top of that, we're able to change the environments. It's going from a world of simulation to an actual business use tool. And that is the part that actually really surprises me and makes me very happy. Um, We're seeing environments now with virtual reality where we're able to change the landscape on the fly. The point being is that instead of me just showing you what it looks like with a shuttle system, ASRS, or you know uh, goods-to-person technology moving racks, I have the ability now to add the changes and test it with the existing live data and then running production environments directly into it in a virtual reality setting. So to a picker, to a supervisor, to a director, or even to the C-suite and the board, they can see the changes in their environment live using a virtual reality system. So often I say the concept of, um, we need to add facts to the emotional sale and often virtual reality adds that environment that emotion that visceral touch visual and physical and we add the facts to that environment we find very quickly by running the production environment you know the production data into the system itself they can see everything that is going on they can make those quick decisions on the fly and more importantly they can understand what they're about to embark with us as collaborators in this industry
0: Let's go back to using VR for training for a moment, if you don't mind. What is it about virtual reality that makes it such a good tool um, for training new hires? So often
1: the new hires that we're experiencing in the fulfillment, the retail and the Omni environments, um, they're made up of two large schools, very young individuals. And to use the word millennial would almost be incorrect. It's even younger than that. They're fresh, they are in high school right now, or they're in the first years of college, and they are experienced 100% in the world of digital. Everything that they do today is some digital connection, whether it's their phone, whether it's the gaming consoles they have at home, or it's their interactions even with their cars. And then the other side is this world of people that have gone into semi or full retirement but they want to go back into the industry and do something with at least another five more years. So ages of under 25 and then older than 50. The great thing about virtual reality is the fact that we don't have all of these goods-to-person systems that they can actually touch and get their hands on, but you can sit them down and you can train up hundreds at a time with the virtual reality systems. They have the ability for quick training So it takes the time it normally takes about four weeks and collapses it down to four hours, and then you immediately exactly you immediately have the ability to be able to bring people out onto the floor, and they trust what they see. They don't fear the technology. Twenty-five and under has been living with it all their lives. Fifty and older, which is a large portion of our available population, that we currently do not um, instill the desire to be in the world of fulfillment and you know warehousing in general and supply chain. It's an untapped potential of resources, but they have a hesitancy when it comes to the technology. Virtual reality gets them past that hesitancy and gets them on the floor quicker.
0: I would imagine that with as fast-paced of an environment Mm -hmm. as the floor is too, Mm -hmm. um, this really gives them a chance to understand what that's gonna be like before they get there. Absolutely. Pardon me. One of the things that um,
1: we have experienced is being able to find out whether or not, not so much the individual could do the work, but if they self-select themselves out. Because of course, you don't wanna go through the process of actually putting someone in place, training them up fully, and then they choose to leave a week later or two weeks later. So the interesting thing about the virtual reality aspects, augmented reality, or just experiencing these training type modules, is they get an understanding of what they are about to do and how they become a trusted member of the entire team that's doing the work. If they choose that the repetitive actions is not what they want, if they can't see how easy it is now to use a goods to person system when the technology and the actual products themselves are brought to them, they're self-selecting them out. So the people that you're hitting the floor are the ones that are engaged, they're trained, they're enthusiastic, and they will be there
0: through the entirety of your upfront season. Looking at the training process, and really figuring out what that should look like. How does virtual reality help to refine the training process? Is there, you know, does it make it easier to look at what we're having people do? Does it um, make it easier to troubleshoot where the issues are popping up? So um, it's great because I've had some great experiences
1: in my life. I used to work for Coca Cola and we would develop uh, sales and operating plans, SNOPs, constantly, training material that in theory you're creating in your headquarters in front of a computer not really seeing the environment and then you're sending it out to hundreds of distribution centers or fulfillment centers Um, that physical document never covers the nuances that is that arena there is something to be said to have the full 3d environment and the sound around you and to go through the steps so virtual reality causes us to slow down become very specific very accurate And once you get that environment locked in, you know that every single time you train that person, the hundreds of people, they're getting the right training the same way every time. It's not on a sheet of paper any longer. It's a consistent approach. And the other nice thing about it is, imagine what happens when you have hundreds of thousands of those SNOPs, those sheets of paper, spread across the entirety of the world. We experience this. Very simply, it's hard to ever bring them back. But in a virtual reality setting, in a digital setting, you can make changes to the virtual reality program back at headquarters and it's immediately propagated to the entirety of your fulfillment arena and all your pickers and all of your teams so digital provides a level of quickness requires you to slow down to become more accurate to speed up and to evolve
0: so i want to talk about something called a virtual twin what is a virtual twin uh, to start off so this is actually pretty awesome
1: and it's been growing. It, we're talking really you know, the, uh, the tip of the spear, the edge of the knife, if you will. Uh, Virtual Twins is the idea that was born from, let's say I completely develop your fulfillment arena, conveyors, sorters, um, ASRS, goods to person, tunnel under AGVs, it's all available. I have all this data and I have all these AutoCADs and these designs. So why can't I just take your transactional information and flow it through? create almost a full-fledged emulation of your environment. Why does this matter? Well, it's not just to test out this million dollar purchase of warehouse and automation. More importantly, it's to start to flow through new ideas. What happens if I change my package size? How does it actually change and affect the entirety of my fulfillment arena? Can I still hit my cutoff times? What happens if I choose to um, identify the choke points in my system set? Virtual twins are just that. It is a digital representation of your physical arena that is currently in uh, in place. And then I'm going to test my physical arena in my virtual environment. I'm literally gonna pump 30% more demand volume through it. I'm gonna change how I'm creating my packages or how my points of inspiration actually occur. So I do value added uh, tasks at the presentation station. How does that affect everything inside of my fulfillment arena? Not just the technology you bought from that one supplier, but every aspect in my fulfillment arena, from inbound dock to outbound dock. So a virtual twin is designed simply to be a shadow image of what happens in your supply chain, inside the four walls of the warehouse, and more importantly, how do I improve it? How do I make tweaks and changes? And then the other side is how to constantly pay attention to it. A virtual twin can actually be always operating. So I have my day-to-day operational information on one screen, I have a virtual twin on the other screen. I can literally say tomorrow I'm expecting a 30% pump up, Let me feed it immediately into my digital twin. And it comes back and tells me my yellow areas, my choke points. And I can immediately start staffing to support and mitigate those expected choke points so I can be proactive to keep my
0: reactive environment down. How would a company go about building that virtual twin out? I mean, like this Mm -hmm. sounds so this is brand new. Yeah, honestly, it really is. Um, It's maybe uh, 18 months to
1: two years now. You've been hearing people talk about virtual twins. Currently, in America itself, uh, most of our fulfillment arenas are not designed by one designer, one integrator, or one consultancy. We have grown up over the past 30 and 40 years You will see conveyance systems by one company and then you'll see goods to person systems by someone else and you'll see a shuttle system (laughs) by someone else. But the most amazing thing is that they almost always have similar control platforms. Siemens and Rockwell's and um, A&B and others. So the idea behind the virtual twins is to one, take a snapshot of your existing arena environment and all the technology, link it together. Find a way to pull back from that sensor information or add extra sensors to it to capture the information you're looking for. And then you begin to build out what the virtual twin looks like in the running operating environment. There are integrators on our floor today at Modex that actually do this, but only with their technology. You're seeing very few that are able to ambiguously take all the technologies together. And this is the part that most amazes me and why I actually joined Grenzabach. Well, okay, other than the people. So Grenzenbach has this platform called CERCI. The CERCI platform is designed specifically to be an ambiguous layer of all the technologies that you would find. So it doesn't necessarily need to be Grenzenbach technology. It actually could be a DEMATIC sorter system. It could be a uh, hydro conveyor system. It can be a DH and W um, uh, sortation system or a high level um, uh, ASRS type setup. The point behind it is that it's able to take the data from all of them, link them together, and you can actually begin to build your digital twin by having this mid-layer between it all. It's a shadow of what's going on, so proactively, you're able to make those decisions quickly. Grenzenbach becomes your software partner when we are already your hardware provider.
0: So you talked a little bit about having to potentially add sensors to get the information sure. that you needed to build it. What what information specifically uh, do you need to pull from your floor to be able to build that twin? So you don't have to necessarily add sensors,
1: but you have to interrogate what you have. So that's the first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, as a provider SIC, uh, S-I- SICK, S I S I C K is a known provider of sensors and technology. But often the sensors that they have in place is providing you one or two bits of information. Could be the package passed through, could be a scan of the barcode, but yet, very simply, it might only be a two-dimensional scan of the barcode. It could be that I'm able to catch the rate of certain packages moving through, but not all the rates and speeds. Digital twins actually need more than just what those bits of information is. It uses environment, understandings, so humidity and temperature. It uses the packages themselves, understands the full three-dimensional movements of those packages coming through, so you know if your packages are catacornered cornered or shifted. It also needs to be able to bring in the information directly from the what I call vending machines, if you will. Uh, Grenzenbach actually creates a goods-to-person, full module fulfillment arena of tunnel under AGVs, but you need to be able to know all the inputs and outputs and what is being presented, how it's being presented, and then how you put things away. You need to marry that data with the sensors that come from it. And the sensors in that case is the warehouse controls system. So the entire vending machine, if you will, is one giant sensor. And then you need to link in all of the individual points down the conveyors and the sorter systems and the merge aspects. So I'm taking mass goods and my fast moving items from picking on floor, because that's the best thing for me to do. But I need to figure out how quickly I'm picking them. I need to actually have sensors on my people. So I know specifically where they are, what they're picking. And that's as simple as wearing a vest and a little Bluetooth sensor. But I'm able to now actually turn the humans almost into robots, points of information, linking it together with my vending machine, my goods to person module, linking that together with my outbound sorter. And all those pieces provides the type of sensor environments. So you first have to interrogate what you have. And then two, you have to ask, do I need to do any upfits if necessary? And third, you need that layer, that ambiguous layer that brings them all together.
0: I mean, this number may be in the millions, but do you know Mm -hmm. about how many points of information you would need to, a company would need to pull in order to put together a virtual twin? So as it stands right now, the best thing to do is just take the information you have
1: and ask yourself, is the granularity I need? often companies are coming back and they're actually trying to over create and they're trying to over granular too much data we hmm. live in a world of data but not enough information and the thing is, is with that environment i would just take a snapshot of what you have and then build out the ghost image almost like a doppler effect you know the wave continues and you can see what you're capable of doing and then you ask yourself what is the value of my question so if my question is, is I want to see proactively um, the orientation of my packages and whether or not my uh, sorter systems are actually capable of handling the speed, 30% more for the upcoming Black Friday and Cyber Monday, that's a question and it's worth a lot because you can meet your cutoff times. And therefore, it's worth adding extra sensors in that environment. But if another question happens to be um, I want to make and see how much humidity is actually worth inside of my, right, uh, my arena on my third level, then simply put, one sensor? is really all you need. You have to be careful with your decisions and ask you what's the value of those decisions and then interrogate what you have, take the information of what you have and begin to build the ghost image of your virtual twin and then
0: start to improve and tweak it. So since this is so new, in your mind, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what does the future of building out something like a virtual twin, what does it look like? I mean, why why should companies look into doing it? Um, What, in the end, what are the ROIs going to be on these?
1: Let's take it a step further. So it's one thing to say you break even, return on investment, ROI. It's something entirely else to say, do I actually have satisfied customers? My consumers, are they coming back to me? Not only do they enjoy my brand, but are they actually increasing their market basket size? So simply put, digital twins are designed to identify choke points in areas of improvement and what i often say and i i pour this i hate bolts in the ground when you put bolts into your fulfillment arena you actually constrain your capabilities of the entirety of your sales chain and then of course your value chain the capabilities of my sales teams the brands that i move forward the size that i do so digital twins you get the ability of once you know your existing environment i can take an entire module out i can take this asrs completely out i can take this cubic auto store system take it out And I can drop in a goods-to-person system in a fully cubic module design, and I can see what happens. So the idea behind it, more than anything else, is what does the consumer need? Speed to market, availability, and accuracy. How do I actually move it into my fulfillment arena without actually having to go through um, a, a long time with integrators to be able to analyze the answer and figure out multiples of millions of dollars? How do I literally just take a module out, drop a module in? And on top of all of this, the ability to be able to do it quickly inside of your own customers or your own environment. That's critical because as it stands right now, often the decisions are being pushed outside of our companies when we need to be more resilient, reliant on ourselves internally.
0: The word that comes to mind when you're talking about all this is is flexibility. It sounds like a virtual twin gives companies the flexibility to, to ask questions. as to what they could do better and what it would look like.
1: Yes. One other thing to say is it adds the ability to ask the questions, but it also provides you a proactive environment. So um, simply put, with the involvement of e-commerce, from the case to the each, so much more is being constrained in these arenas. And when we start to add value-added services on top of that, we don't truly know the, the effects that come from it. We do things in averages or we do things in associated demand analysis, but virtual twins provide us the opportunity to, you know, to push hard on those what if questions. And then on the other side is to turn around and say, well, now that I've answered that what if, let me see the effects and the changes
0: and proactively what's gonna to happen tomorrow. So, we just spent a long time talking <laughs> about virtual reality, of course um but all you know fascinating and and you know wild where the technology is going to take us. You talked a little bit about augmented reality, but what's I know about augmented reality from my iPhone games oh, yeah, good, but you know talk to me a little bit about what augmented reality is and and why it's valuable you know in the intra logistics industry
1: so um you probably have heard a lot about the fact that it's really really hard to find those rare, very smart, very knowledgeable resources. The interesting thing is is that we lock them up physically around the world. So, augmented reality is actually designed to be able to have a third-level engineer or a senior-level architect that can sit comfortably in their homes. But yet they need to support a worldwide installation in, um, of all the hardware, of all the automation. They can't, we can't keep flying them. We're literally running out of time year after year after year. So by putting them in one centralized point and giving them augmented reality, they have the ability to see through your eyes, like that phone that you're holding in your hand. They have the ability to see through yours what you see and overlay the world on top of it. And they can do this in a comfortable arena, accessing all their knowledge that they have stored on all their computers and all their teams behind them. So it's designed more than anything else to speed up the decision making, to provide an accessibility of the critical resources at a distance so geography no longer matters in augmented reality. And then with all these pieces in place, they have the ability to quick decide and source with their teams behind them. We're doing this right now in Grenzenbach where I have key key educated um, resources, engineers, architects, um, uh, software um, designers, and they have the ability to see through your eyes to the existing environment and suggest changes. I don't have to
0: send my people around the world, they come to you. When those engineers are are working with people on the Mm -hmm. ground, you know, at those locations, what what do they see? Like, what does it look like Mm -hmm. when they're uh, getting the video? Is it a video feed? How does it work? So they actually
1: can see through your phone. Um, That's the nice thing about it. So you don't have to necessarily wear the headset and stuff like that. Just your phone, you point it, out to it, that live video stream then has overlays put on top of that. So simply put, it can actually see whether it be a simple QR code on the actual technology itself, and it provides you directed input or it actually takes the video feed itself and the augmented uh, technician has the ability to overlay their overlaps. So they just put a pinprick. I see what you're looking at, and once I put it in virtual space, no matter where you are and move, that pinprick stays, and the information stays on top of it. So they have the ability to show schematics, to go through step-by-step procedures for uh, fixing an issue or uh, maybe even augmenting the technology that's in field. And as you move things around through your phone or your tablet or even your computer, they can see what you see. They can make changes on the fly. You can add notes and changes, and you collaborate together in a virtual space. Wow.
0: Would you say your goal is to make sure uh, all of the work can be done you know, by your head engineer from a remote location? I want the work to be
1: done by the person that's right there. It doesn't have to be done by the head engineer. I want the tools and the knowledge and the capabilities to be in the hands of the, the customer, so in support of their consumer. I always want the decision to be made in their hands. And if they have an issue where they can't do it themselves then I give them a path to be connected as quickly as possible, 24-7, 365, to our engineering staff, to our architects. And then we can quickly make the changes. No longer flying someone halfway around the
0: world to turn it on and turn it off. We want them to be able to do it themselves. Well, it's amazing how this technology just keeps growing and the changes and the the opportunities that are coming out. In your ideal future world, Mm What does the use of virtual reality and augmented reality, you know, and this could be your pie in the sky dream for it, but like, what do you see as this being used for? So I believe a
1: lot, like I've mentioned, you know, no bolts in the ground. I also believe in telepresence. I believe that there is untapped, there's 7.5 billion people in the world and it's untapped resources. We have labor shortages in America. I want to be able to bring the labor to America without physically moving them as an example. So virtual reality, augmented reality does just that. We are working right now in the world of robotics and automation to provide telepresence. Humans are fuzzy, robots are precise. So we wanna make precise robots with fuzzy controls and background so I can have someone in South Africa or someone in Nairobi to be able to reach over, put on a headset and be able to do the picking live. And there are technologies today and actually even out here on the Modex floor, There are technologies today to do telepresence at a distance. We are just barely touching this. As we talk about like 2% adoption curve, we're literally 0.2% right now. There's great possibilities. So my world is to be able to actually access the physical and the, um, the abilities and the knowledge centers around the world and bring it to the points where work is being done. Don't need to physically bring the people, bring their knowledge and capabilities to the point.
0: Wow. Well, <laughs> the future <laughs> certainly looks different <laughs> than I think what the present looks like. Uh, it's very exciting. It is. Uh, change, change is wonderful.
1: Change is inevitable. But being a proactive, being a profitable, and um, being open to it, what we do today in the world of you know, material handling, how we interact, with both the people we work with, the companies that we support, and the consumers worldwide, change is a constant. We have brought the consumer network into our fulfillment arenas. They want to be part of this, whether it's sustainable, whether it's the quickness of how things come in, or whether they return it and how they return. It. If we've brought them, the masses, into our environments, we need to be able to bring ourselves to them as well. And this technology is the step closer to it.
0: Well, again, I, I was here with David Schwebel, Senior VP and Head of Intralistics at Grenzenbach Corporation. David, thanks for your time, and have a great rest of uh, Modex. I appreciate it. Thank you again.
1: Thank you for listening to this cast. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.